Well, hello world, and welcome to Confluence, the lifestyle where confidence meets influence. I'm your host, Charlie Marcole, and I'm so glad you joined in today. We will talk about so many exciting things, so stay tuned. I'm so happy you're here. What's up, Confluencers? I have missed you. I am back from my week hiatus handling life. You're probably like, Charlie Child, what are you handling? I've been on a thousand trips without a plane or a bus ticket. When life hands you limes, either you hold the basket or you start creating. And child, I am over here creating key lime pie. Lime bars, lime chicken, lime cilantro rice, margaritas, and whatever else I can think of. I am making. I am learning to turn my negatives into positives because it's not that heavy. Whatever the charge, a woman of confluence handles any situation with confidence, dignity, and grace. I know for a fact that God gives his hardest test to his best students. So in layman's terms, if you're trying to figure out what I'm saying, I am literally spring cleaning my whole world from my finances to friends to clothes and things that I am too comfortable with. We don't find great things in comfort zones. And in 2019, I am being pushed to the brink. I am in an uncomfortable space. I cannot lie. I am ridding, grieving, and growing. But it's all good. And I live to see another day. And each day that I can get up is a day that I can get better. Hello, somebody. Thank you for tuning in this week and coming back each week for more. I hope all is well in your neck of the woods and you're handling your test with confidence and perseverance. We have sailed right on up out of March and right into April. I ended March with a great bunch of women of Washington County at the Spring Into Your Vision brunch and release party. We had a wonderful time releasing our fears and our failures, but we found our purpose. The highlight of my day was when a 70-year-old guest came up to me and told me how much she loved the event and how the activities were applicable to all, young and old. Yes, Charlie Marco. Yes, Charlie. So book me, book me. But just when I thought spring had sprung, it up and slipped me a Mickey and pulled a fast one before my eyes. Spring is not letting me be great, child. This cold front flew in and took me off my workout regimen yet again. And right back on that corner of the couch. I promise I want to do better. But right now, instead of blaming it on the alcohol, I am blaming it on this season that we call spring. Now, you know who is keeping it real cute and confluential-like? Yes, I made up that word. Confluential, like, mm-hmm. My writing scribe sister Issa Ray, she killed the April Essence cover with her effortless beauty and this season's hottest designs. Way to go, Issa! Way to go. Also, in other confluential news, Lupita, my girl. Pens a children's book about colorism. The book is entitled Soul We. I hope I'm saying that name right. Soul We 
The name comes from her native language. It's about a little girl growing up in Kenya who has the darkest skin in her family. The book is expected to be released later this year in October. How amazing is that? I cannot wait to cop it and read it. How admirable of Lupita to address an issue that affects us all. Young, old, light skin, dark skin. It is something that has been conditioned in us since slavery. It affects us. So thank you, Lupita, to help us, especially little girls, to learn to accept themselves for who you are and how God made you. So much has happened in the world since we convened last. I am saddened by the recent chain of events that's unfolding. On Sunday, a family lost a father, a soulmate lost a partner, and a community lost an advocate. One of the many things that fans loved about the late rapper and entrepreneur, Nipsey Hussle, was the way that he loved and uplifted his girlfriend of five years, actress Lauren London. In the recent GQ magazine photo shoot, their love radiated like the sun. You could see that it was genuine and it wasn't for stunts and shows. Capturing candid moments at the donut shop, looking into each other's eyes, a white horse on a typical L.A. street. Beautiful, just beautiful. My heart hurts for her because I know how hard it is to find real love. Real love is rare. My heart hurts for the children because a father is so important. He's an important figure in a life. So rest easy, my friend. Rest easy. Ladies of Confluence, let's continue to lift these families up in prayer because this was so unnecessary yet tragic. Tragedy and grief affects us all in some way. Trauma and grief often go hand in hand. So learning how to process grief requires an expert to help you walk through your experience to see it from a new perspective. My guest today knows about tragedy and grief firsthand. She is a Jesus and justice advocate, life stylist, writer, psychologist, community advocate, and a force to be reckoned with. Besides, she is just a down-to-earth cool person. Ladies of Confluence, please welcome and whoop it up for the psychologist that gives the people what they want, Dr. Crystal Martin. Whoop, whoop. Well, good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. How are you? <laughs> hey. I was like, so- what are the listeners? <laughs> Girl, it's new for me. I'm young, but this podcast podcast thing I'm gonna get used to. <laughs> Girl, you gotta get used to it because this is the new like radio situation going it on is. right now. Like, yep. whoa. Absolutely. Like, this is a whole community, girl. Like, I see. (laughs) You see? Okay. This is, this is it. This is it. Do your listeners have a name? Do you call them something? I call them confluencers. Okay. Yes, we are confluencers because we are confident and very influential in everything that we do. Yeah. Come on. Just like you, girl. Thank you, girl. Over there doing. Honey, you walked in. I was like, oh, yeah, she (laughs) be. She got it down to the God eyes popping. Girl, I tried. Heels high. Yes. You know, that's what a woman of confluence is. She walks in 
and you know we kind of walk in quietly we don't even want to make mm -hmm. a scene girl Absolutely. but somehow you notice that energy shifted and we are in the mm -hmm. room hello mm -hmm. somebody for sure for sure yeah i'm so glad to be here just to talk have a little chit chat and maybe help some people out along the way listen <laughs> we need help yes, we need we help in order to be healed do you hear we me do. that's true you always got a good tagline too i like it we need some shirts you come out with you come out with the one-liners like real girl quick. girl listen help me help me help me today because i need my t-shirt i like yes, to wear do. shirts with i actually do wear a lot of shirts i say it with my chest mm -hmm. You know, like say it, then spray it. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. say it with my chest, there you and go. then because it's just how I feel. Like you gonna know. You know, one of my favorite shirts that I have it says, "I don't want it if it don't feel like '90s R&B music." I oh like, yeah, yeah, that's right. I like that. Yeah, I don't want it. I, I don't want it if it ain't making me feel that like good. I, I don't know. Want that's it. right, because that's a distinct feeling. That's a distinct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell us who you are, Doc, and what you do. Sure. So my name is Crystal Martin, Dr. Crystal Martin, I guess. <laughs> um, and I am a community psychologist and also uh, a child and adolescent counselor, but I also work with adults. I have an area of specialty in, the, specialty in that I deal with young people mostly, but I do also, you know, do some counseling for adults as well. Um, I live in the amazing city of Chicago. We're second to nobody. <laughs> I love Shatan. Um, you say I didn't even argue with you. I Call, know, right? <laughs> me up, but you know, I like Shatan, honey. You know, people call us the second city. I'm like, no, we're second to nobody, okay? We, <laughs> um, and yeah, and I'm just, uh, you know, a city girl who has, you know, been through some things in my life. I mean, it seems like traumas are unfolding at every turn. Um, and I just, you know, as I'm coping and healing through my own stuff, you know, hope that my story, my experiences, and even my education um, and licensed training can help other people get through the things uh, that they're going through as well. Um, so, yeah, if I can help somebody heal through something, I, my mission is accomplished, accomplished, life fulfilled. Um, it is counseling is my passion. I say it all the time that I'm a, a counselor by both personality and profession. So my friends will probably tell you it's hard to carve the counselor out of me. You get it? Not. Um, and not in an invasive way, just um, I genuinely care about people and seeing them live to the fullest of their ability. That's pretty much it. Wow. <laughs> Help people live to the fullest yeah. of their yeah. ability. Yeah. If they are not triggered. You ready yeah. to talk about it? Let's, let's talk this, about it. Let's rip this band-aid out. <laughs> rip it off. Let's, let's rip it off. off. You know, because in order to heal, like as long as you keep that, you know, wound under that band-aid, yeah. yeah, it won't heal. You yeah, gotta absolutely. just kind of just rip it off. Just let that yeah. air hit it and let it breathe. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do it. And so, like I really want to talk about so a woman like I said one a woman of confluence like I said she walks in she owns it mm -hmm. she knows who she is mm -hmm. but she's gone through some things yeah and it might trigger her yeah and take her back to a place that she tries to forget but she remembers she remembers mm -hmm. well do you mm -hmm. think that triggers affect us Oh, they absolutely going forward. Do. They absolutely do. And probably more than the trigger itself affects us, being unaware of the trigger affects us more than anything. Um, if we know our triggers, then our triggers don't have power. But when you you've not identified them, it's that part that becomes dangerous. Mm. Um, so when you're in conversation with somebody and somebody cracks a joke and it pricks you in a way that you're thinking about it hours later or you you know you it, it just sits with you. you know how things just you know they just resonate with you and you can't get past it it's like that keeps I keep hearing that you know that is that struck a trigger um and it's identifying what is it connected to what is the feeling connected to what is it that they said and how are all these things interconnected in that um it has now 
confounded me in a way that I can't move past it. Um, it's that part because that can become that can become stagnating, you know, mm-hmm. um, being asphyxiated on why people do what they do and how they do what they do and why they say what they say. It's that part that can completely derail our progress, especially as women, um, our motivation, our inspiration. It can completely handicap you when you don't know why or where it's coming from. So, yeah, I, I think especially like you're saying for women who are of great influence and, and, and confluence, um, these things are crucial because when you're working in capacities where you have to be creative or, you know, you have to lead teams and, and be the boss and you have some things working with you within you that are not dealt with, you're not, you're not being the leader or boss that you could be. You're not being the creative that you could yeah. be because something is taking up that space. So, yeah, I think the, the, the more crippling thing is not knowing what your triggers are. If you know them and they're there, you can have control over them. But if you don't know them, they have more control over you. Oh, and there's nothing like something that has control over you and you're trying to shake it. Oh, like a bad relationship. Yeah. Like yeah. unfinished business. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Unfinished business from a relationship. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that for a minute? Sure. Sure. Now I'm not a relationship coach, but I will get. <laughs> but I, I know will give you, you some definite psychology behind it. Go ahead. Yes, I'm gonna say I know you got the psychology though. Before there you go. So when I'm trying to be successful, but I haven't dealt with my unfinished business. Yeah. What is that doing to me? Well, mostly it's taking up mental space. Mm. Um, and the and the the dangerous part about things taking up mental space um, is that they can become mental illness. So, and that's the thing that, you know, we see these shows that come on TV like Snapped or we see these women who become dangerous um, and, and do some of these kind of unthinkable behaviors. And then you hear the testimonies of their friends and their family members and they're like, we don't understand. She was nice. She loved her kids. Mm-hmm. She, she loved the church. <laughs> you know, yeah. She, you know, she was. She owned a Fortune 500 company, and you know, she did all these great things in the community. It's like, how did this happen? And it's because the wiring in our brains is not meant to undergo um, extended, lengthened times of like trauma, and especially when it's self-induced. Because a lot, a lot of times we self-induce trauma with relationships because we harbor on, you know, experiences and things that happen within them instead of learning from them and moving on. But when you're when you're allowing that experience to uh, to take over parts of the brain, it truly can become mental illness. We were talking when you mm. were here in Chicago about the ACEs study. There have been, you know, studies on this very thing about the way that harboring traumatic experiences create um, health issues within the body. It shortens your lifespan. Mm. It creates mental illnesses like bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. These things, they, they stem somewhere and they are hereditary. So when you have you know family members who have dealt with mental illness, you're at much more risk to fall into that, you know, even yourself. And a lot of times I think people rule out mental illness because they're like, I made it to 40 years old and I'm not bipolar yet. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk bipolar. about it, sis. Talk yeah, about it. For I'm the not going to be back. bipolar. I, like when, when did they diagnose bipolar disorder? But the thing is, uh, for one, the African-American community does not fully embrace uh, mental health, mental diagnosis and mental uh, health care in the way that some other cultures do. So a lot of times we leave mental illnesses and uh, mental health issues, behavioral health issues, untreated for extended periods of time. Ooh. So just because you didn't find out Damn until you mom. had good insurance from your great job, you know, just because you didn't find out until, you know, you started your Fortune 500 company, you got great insurance and can find a good doctor, doesn't mean that it wasn't always there. Um, from your childhood traumatic experiences, this is one of the things that's most rewarding about the work that I do with kids um, and adolescents is that you can curtail 
some of those lifelong illnesses very early on. And for me, I truly believe that mental health is connected to um, is connected to finding the cure for cancer because I believe that there is a relationship between the two. Um, not necessarily that mental health or undiagnosed mental health or stress creates cancer, but I do think there's a correlation um, between having extreme amounts of stress, and there's studies on this too, and how it can create you know, those masses within the body. So there are quite a few risks that can come from, we, you know, we started this out talking about relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we sweep under the rug the amount of mental trauma that can come from, you know, bad relationship experiences. And you don't want that to carry over into the rest of your life. Seek but therapy. see, some people don't even know what trauma is. They like, you know, I don't like, yeah. so how would you define trauma? Because yeah, <laughs> actually don't like, okay, girl, yeah, that's traumatic, girl. He Absolutely. Okay, girl. Yeah. You know, it's like we, you know, uh, negate what it really mm-hmm. is. We don't want to call yeah. a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. No, girl. Mm-hmm. He did yeah. that. So, can you tell people what a good definition, sure. a working definition for their sure. psyche? Yeah, a working definition. Um, uh, I would say that trauma is any experience, uh, any negative experience that has the potential to impact your perspective. Now, that sounds very generic, but I'm going to tell you why I'm saying it the way that I am. No, it was right on the money. Uh, when, <laughs> when, I, when I counsel people around trauma, I usually start off with asking them the question, what is trauma to you? Um, a lot of people often think trauma is having a death in the family, suffering rape or molestation, you know, maybe some homelessness is mixed in there. Maybe people will even have the foresight to say extreme poverty, you know, but that's kind of like it. Like, it's like those things that are like, these are, these are the, the bad of the bad. If these things happen to you, you know, everybody can mutually agree that these things are bad. What people don't understand or think about or consider is that trauma can be, I never heard my dad say I love you mm. or my mom say I love you. I, my mom never hugged me. Um, it could be that I had multiple siblings and we had different fathers and one of my siblings dad came all the time and got them and mine didn't. And even though I would go with their dad, you know, it wasn't my dad. That can be trauma. We spoke about um, when I was young, trauma for me was not my parents uh, were middle class workers and didn't make the same amount of money that my um, friends growing up, you know, who their parents made. Um, so trauma for me was living in a part in an apartment when my peers were living in really nice houses. You know, I was embarrassed about sharing a room with my brother. That was trauma to me because it started to impact my perspective of myself. And began to create comparison to other individuals. And while we own the Confluence uh, podcast, this is how women begin to compare themselves to other women. Mm-hmm. She had this, but mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, you know, her her parents were there, mine weren't, or or vice versa. You know, she went to this college and I didn't. It's any experience that you've gone through. It's put typically negative so any negative experience you've gone through with the potential to impact your perspective um, doesn't have to be something really grandiose I know a whole lot of people because I grew up in church who for them their church their trauma is church you know or the church experience Mm -hmm. things that they've experienced about you know especially when you know you've had people who have maybe had children out of wedlock and now they have to to, to fear the wrath of people who are looking at them some kind of way because, you know, their belief system says you should be married first or, you know, whatever have you. And so they now have these perspectives of, of religion, of church, or even of themselves, of the children that they conceive. And it begins to wear away at them and create maladaptive ways to cope, such as comparing. That's a coping me- mechanism. Uh, comparing yourself to someone. Or stagnation, becoming stagnant. You, ha- you have to kind of look at the totality of your life's experience 
to see how they are interconnected, which is why I strongly suggest that people see counselors and therapists, because it's hard to step away from your own life's experiences. You know, it, counseling is a great, that metaphor that you can't see the forest for the trees, that's a great metaphor for counseling. Like, as a kid, I never understood what that meant. But when you're standing with the tree in front of you, dead set right in front of your eyes, all you can see is the trunk and the bark of that tree. You can't even see that there are 500 other trees around you and you are standing in a forest. So you need someone who to help pull you out of the experience to help put you back in it and see it another way. Yes. That's how you rid yourself of trauma is you have to, like I said, it impacts your perspective. So in order to deal with it, you kind of need to have the input and the guidance of other perspectives. Mm, you have to have the guidance. Yeah. You know, because you're right, you know, people of color, we tend to just pray about it. Yeah. And I think as a woman of faith, I'm, I need to pray, but I also need to seek help right. because... Right. The voices in our head, you know, people like, I, mm-hmm. ain't nobody talking. You are a lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. talking uh, smack. For sure. It's somebody in your head telling mm-hmm. you that you're not worthy enough. Yeah. You're not good enough. Reminds you of that time when takes you back to a childhood place, takes mm-hmm. you back to a place of grief, mm-hmm. a dark space. And I think that if we get the help, that yeah. we need we will see healthier relationships absolutely i think we will see healthier families healthier yeah. children healthier people yeah. and you know you hit on the nail of mm-hmm. talking about how that is you know you think there's a correlation related mm-hmm. to cancer mm-hmm. because i hold this stuff in mm-hmm. i think people we said what do we say in chicago secrets right keep <laughs> you sick yeah. yeah yes they do because Absolutely. you're holding on to this and harboring it and mm-hmm. not letting it out. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And I just, just to add to that, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's always baffling to me. What, well, it's not, but it's a point to consider um, that we don't embrace mental health and behavioral health and counseling in the way that we do, because we're the ones who have, the post-traumatic stress disorder or slave disorder anyway. Like if anybody in, in, in the United States <laughs> needed counseling, it needs to be the African-American community because as a culture, we have sustained some of the, you know, most inhumane, inhumane acts of, you know, of generations. And that's not something you could just sweep under the rug. It needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be dealt with. And a lot of times we don't feel like the things from our history points to or touches us. But the truth is there, there are whole studies about the way that trauma is passed down through the bloodline. Um, and I, I believe that to be true, which is how you get these ailments. Like you're saying, secrets make you sick. This undealt with um, stuff. And so I'm going to add to that, that part of the reason why we don't embrace counseling the way other cultures do is it is really hard pressed to find black therapists and counselors. So confluence ladies who are looking for career changes, you know, the industry, the field needs you. I was, I, you know, I just got engaged fairly recently and we yeah. have been on a, <laughs> we have, he and I have been on a search for um, counseling. Um, we have different perspectives of marriage. Um, we had different upbringings. I grew up with two parents in the household. He grew up with, you know, his mom and a dad who was kind of like in and out. So our perspectives of what a marriage and a healthy relationship looks like are a little bit different. So we've been looking for ways to find counseling. But in the great city of Chicago that I just said is second to nobody, (laughs) I can't find a black therapist, a black couples counselor who is licensed and is not in a church not that I have any opposition to it, but I just wanted, you know, just some some traditional sec- secular counseling um, so that we can just deal with being humans. Let, we gonna talk about God too, but let's just deal with the way that we relate to each other. And it has been impossible in Chicago, the third largest city in the world. So I'm saying that to say confluence ladies, if you're looking for, <laughs> if you're looking for a new field, 
we need more licensed counselors and therapists who look like us, who we don't have to explain the nuances of our culture. The nuance, because yeah. we have we have things within our culture. Like, and it doesn't matter if I'm from Texas and you're from Chicago. Yeah. And it, girl, and it's like, it's been passed down. Oh, your family used to do, your mm-hmm. family do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the nuance. Yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. That unspoken rule that is just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's within us. Yeah. For sure. So with the death, you know, death is like on a rampage. Child. All across. <laughs> yeah. Every major city, the world. And this week, we lost, you know, Nipsey Hussle. Yeah. And that kind of, like, shocked me. Yeah. And you have people in the hip-hop community grieving. Yeah. yeah. How should one deal with grief? Yeah. Because it's not like, I, I'm going to cry and get over. It's like, man, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you used the reference of Nipsey Hussle because um, there's grief and then there, there's coping with grief, grief, and then there's coping with tragedy. So, okay. so, and, and there's a slight distinction between the two. You, you can have both occur at the same time. But I think um, your example of Nipsey Hussle, because it, it works so well for this conversation because it, it has resonated with a lot of people who knew him and who didn't. Um, I, I think from that example, one of the clearest and most cut and dry things I can say is take control of your exposure to social media or to media as a whole. And it's not just in, when a celebrity dies or someone um, it, it dies and it's televised, but even when someone close to you dies, for instance, my mom just passed away um, a year ago, last February. Um, and one of the hardest things was to deal with the surge of I'm so sorry with your love for your loss if you need me call me I'm praying for you you know like you go look at your timeline and on that day you have 2,000 messages from every friend and it's genuine concern mm-hmm. but it's a reminder um, and it can become overwhelming when you're already sitting in the loss and now you're seeing it too so my first thing is I tell people all the time you know just be mindful of being overexposed to it um you know get you some good people around you who understand that you are grieving and who can support you through that but just you know just be mindful of how much exposure you're having to social media not just social media but media as a whole um additionally like it's important that you maintain routines um and it's it's easy to become overcome with grief um, and if, if you have children, this is of the utmost importance because they will recover connected to the way that you recover. So you have to keep things consistent for them. Um, maintaining routines as much as you can. Things will be a little different, especially when uh, death or something occurs that is very close to you when a husband dies or a mother dies that you've been caring for or a child dies. It may, that may be easier said than done to say maintain routines. For the first few days, you may not be able to do anything other than lay in the bed and, and cry about it. And that's okay. But the moment that you can, it's important that you have healthy meals, you exercise, that you have sleep routines. I remind people all the time that the reason why people used to, you know, back in the day or in the South or whatever, when people used to bring food a lot, when people pass away, they don't do that no more. <laughs> but when people used to bring food, they don't. My mom died. We still doing the South. We still doing they, the South. Listen, girl. I'm here in Chicago. My mom died, and it was about 500 people in the house. And I said, "Hey, man, one of y'all got a piece of chicken, girl? Nobody bought a piece of food. Oh! I couldn't believe it. I don't know what's wrong with these newfangled people. My dad died in '91, and he, when he died, it was tons of food. These people died. There. <laughs> but I was saying that to say." You know, maintaining health, you know, eating healthy, uh, exercising, sleeping, those routines are important because if not, you know, they, they can impact your mental health and they can impact your physical health. Um, and just surrounding yourself with people so that you know that you're not by yourself. Um, it can be easy to be anxious, to be overwhelmed. There's no pill I can give 
or checklist I can give to say that this will help you cope better um, or grieve less longer. When you, mm-hmm. you know, when your mama dies, you gonna cry at random times. It's just gonna come. You're gonna be looking for the trigger. Like what happened? Why all of a sudden am I thinking about my mama? It's not gonna make sense. And it's normal. That's okay. <laughs> you know, I, I describe it as I had a friend die after, well, a friend's mom died right after mine. And I told her, you know what? It's going to feel like periodically you've been run over by a Mack truck. And you're going to peel yourself up off the asphalt and you're going to get back up and you're going to keep on walking. But it it's going to come. And all you can do is when, when grief comes and sadness comes, because those are normal parts of the grief process, you have to let that m- moment come you know, allow yourself to cry, find the support of people who can make sure that you're safe. And if you feel like you are not coping in a way that's healthy, if you feel like I didn't drop, if you look at yourself and you're like, I dropped 40 pounds since my mama died. I have, you know, I sleep more. I wasn't even, I lost my job because I can't even get up in the morning. If you start noticing things about yourself that are unusual, then seek professional help. Cause you're right. We 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 do not look at the signs. Yeah. Um. You know because I I I said 2018 was a year of loss for me. Mm-hmm. Now when I say year of loss, I I lost my job. I had to find a new job mm-hmm. in 2018. I had um I I lost um I feel like my my baby. I I'm, I'm a mother of a teenager. Yeah. I felt like that. Tra- it was yeah. a year of a lot of growth. For me mm-hmm. and I just I was in Paris this is a true story Christine yeah and I lost my favorite scarf I've had oh. this scarf for years uh-huh. and I was at the train station at Eurostar mm-hmm. and the late and I, you know you cry so hard and mm-hmm. ugly mm-hmm. but the thing is every time that something went down or transpired in my life it under the rug yeah I will push it under the rug yeah. instead of saying I am dealing with this. yeah I am dealing with this. And girl, I just broke down crying. Mm-hmm. And the lady was like, are you okay? I said, I needed to get this out. Yeah. It wasn't about the scarf. Yeah. Yes, that is my favorite yeah. scarf. But I hadn't cried about this. Absolutely. I hadn't dealt with this. I hadn't dealt with this. I, you know, it was just so many things. Yeah. But I, you know, because we don't recognize it. Or, yeah. we, or we, we, we lie to ourselves and say, I'm okay. Yep, Absolutely. Yeah. And I yes. think I, it's so healthy, you know, the way that you describe it and what a glamorous story. What what a place to lose your favorite scarf for Paris. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a glamorous story. I had a whole visual of it blowing, but but I'm just not, not to make light. But it's so what you're saying is so healthy because people don't look at those things you just described as something to grieve over. Your baby going to college is something you grieve. You know, it, you, losing a job, you grieve those things. Those things are grief and tragedy, you know, because they can impact so many different areas of your being. And this is why I'm saying things like routines, you know, like when my baby was here, he would be in school during these hours. So I wouldn't be sitting up chit-chatting with him anyway. I would be doing this, 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 and this. So you continue doing that. And normally I could walk in my son's room and see him sitting there playing a video game or doing homework or whatever. Now things are a little different and I have to FaceTime him to do those things, you know? So you, you find your new norm and in whatever grief stages you are in knowing that you'll go through stages um, and those stages are okay. Those stages are healthy. It's when it begins to, I always ask um, my clients, how long has it, how long have you been feeling that way? Um, And not that there's a time limit on it, but you know, when things start lingering, like if you've been grieving over a scarf, like I can bust out full fledged tears for the last two years. Now sadness, sadness. Yes. Like feeling sad (laughs) about it. Yes. That, that probably will happen. But like I could bust out in tears, you know, that, that, you know, there's a there's a misalignment there. Oh. Similar experience. I I moved um, when my fiance and I started. I mean, well, decided to move together. I moved from my great condo, packed all my stuff up, 
Um, th a thing that people don't know about me is that I paint. So I had tons of original paintings um, that I had worked on for years. Just all, my life stuff, right? I'm moving all my stuff. And with him, we're consolidating and getting into one place. I hired movers because I'm a girl. I don't move things. Um, and the movers, this is the story they gave me. I'm just saying how they gave me. Your stuff was on the truck. We were headed to the destination. And all of your stuff was stolen. Okay? What? I was like, can you rewind and make this make sense? Your stuff was on the truck. Your stuff was headed here. The drivers made a stop to get gas and some other things and your things. Everything that was on this truck was stolen. Is no longer. We don't know where it is. It's gone. <laughs> like, we gonna give you your money back and that's about all. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. it ain't that easy. Uh-uh, not at all. <laughs> Now, when I tell you, and I'm not really a crier, I was like, Florida Evans, I was one of the, like, you know how Martin Mother be, be running around the room? I uh -huh. Uh -huh. acted a plump, because one, it didn't make sense. And two, I'm like, you mean, like, my, where's my, where's my stuff? <laughs> like, I was, I was like, I, I can't even give you the words for where my thoughts were because I was confused more than anything upset angry like this is a business that I've hired so I'm like I'm about to take you to the cleaners and while you know I'm being pet my fiance is patting me on the back and he's saying you know we'll we'll get you new stuff we'll buy you know you can get a new couch or whatever we'll buy you new stuff and we'll get, we get to start everything over from so I'm like let me tell you what's not gonna work for me right now Starting over from scratch. I don't really care what you're saying to me right now. Are you kidding me? Where is my stuff? All the things. And like I said, my mom passed away, right? So my things I had gotten from my mother, things I had over the years, mm -hmm. high school things, everything I had worked for as an adult, everything that I had carried over from my childhood was a distant memory and moving from one place to the next. To say I grieved, and I listen, I was like, I probably do need some supports because I cried that day, and the next day it was so unreal to me. Like I was waiting for them to call me back and say we got it, or we found. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. the next day I was still I was still kind of hopeful, um, and I was still confused. And then the third day came, and I was like, you know, the reality of it was setting in. And then the third day turned into three months, and it's like, okay, this story is, you know, this is a thing you have to settle in that this is never this is not changing probably one of the <laughs> one of the most and my mom had just died so I was like this, this amount of losses I can't bear like this happened in September my mom had died my mom died in February so I still hadn't even fully recovered from that I and when I, I when I found out I was at work I had to resolve that this is what this situation was going to be. And that I'm like, I can't learn a lesson from it, but I'm going to choose to see that God will give me back double. I, I told the thing I told myself to get over it is what if an interior designer came to your house today and said, I will completely redo this whole entire place, but you got to get rid of everything else. <laughs> I would have took that offer in heartbeat. You can take all this stuff, but it would have been my choice to give. And that's the part give. that I was mm -hmm. grieving. That's the part. Mm -hmm. That's the part that I was grieving was the loss of control. And so this goes back. This is a great catharsis because it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning about your triggers. I was a person who had suffered so much loss. I lost my dad when I was 11. I lost my mom this year. You know, we moved a whole lot, you know, lo losing friends from moving and that sort of thing losing love relationships, losing jobs. Mm -hmm. I was a person who had suffered tremendous loss throughout my entire lifetime. And now to be looking at another loss that was like a death out of my control, nothing that I could change. 
all I can say was, well, you know what, guy, if you could bring me out of my mama die, you can surely bring me out of a, a, a couch I ain't gonna see no more. A photo album I'm not gonna have no more. Those are memories I still have that I can still channel back to and tell people about and laugh about and sure it hurts. Would I have chosen to have this play out another way? Absolutely. Absolutely. But what I I won't do is allow this extra additional loss to trigger something in me that makes me feel like I'm unworthy, that something's wrong with me, that I'm cursed or doomed or like what you won't do is because you know like I feel like this is the spiritual talk like enemy you know that loss is a trigger for me you know that mm-hmm. it is. you know that it has the potential to set me into deep depression or cause, to, or cause me to think <laughs> back to my mama or my daddy and them not being here you know that it has the potential to do that but what I won't do is allow me to go backwards it's what it is and I have to yeah. walk away <laughs> And chop it up and start a whole new household from scratch. Like each dollar. I'll be looking at my walls right now. I'm sitting in my house right now looking at the walls like eventually you're going to have to do art or buy art or something. <laughs> but, but it allows you to start a new chapter. Yeah. Fresh. Fresh. And new. new. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you, you know, because it's like, I... you know, fall, spring, you know, like, yeah. you know, like it has to kind of like die in uh-huh. order to be, you know, uh-huh. reborn, rejuvenated. And that's what I'm telling myself because yeah. I'm still going through, you know, yeah. life when life hands you limes, baby, make some key lime, pie, Come on, lime bars, <laughs> make everything that you can make, lime zest, lime juice. You know what? Make, I just keep making it. Just keep making you it, keep honey, making it until all the limes are gone, baby. You got that right. Keep making it. I uh, the one thing that was a piece of solace to me is you know my artwork was in there, and uh, I went to uh, Madrid for New Year's and I went to the art museum there, you know, and I was looking at the art, thinking, well, you know what? Somewhere on this earth, my paintings are lost, but with my signature, so I'm gonna be okay. If I'm gonna be wow. the 2020 Rembrandt or the <laughs> 2020 Monet, because somebody is probably sitting somewhere with my artwork on their wall, and what else? Wow, you know, so it for was, people to enjoy yeah. and so share. I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna be okay because this it hanging in my wall was not serving anything. So if somebody comes to see, you know, my my artwork hanging in a museum or hanging. You know, someplace else, I'm okay with that. I take that. <laughs> this is what I'm going to ask. How would you define a woman of confluence in Ooh. your definition? Oh, you're going to lay it out. Oh, that was a good one. <sighs> confluence. A woman who uses her confidence to help move, motiva- motivate, and inspire other women. A woman who is in tune with her life's experiences enough to be able to see how they all come together and create the great tapestry of life that is the picture of and the the totality of who you're supposed to be. I think a woman of confluence helps other women get to that point. Um, Yeah, and and does it while being cute. And doesn't want back cute, girl. Gotta keep it cute. Got yeah, to keep, must keep it classy. Keep it classy, girl. Well, tell everybody where they can find you to get some counseling, motivation. Sure, because you do it all. You wear many hats. I do it all. So, um, I am going into private practice now. Thank God. Yeah, ain't good. I'm gonna start working for myself. Um, At a center called the Solution Center, which is on Chicago's southeast side. Um, That website, I believe, is thesolutioncenter.org. But if not, just follow me on social media. Um, I'm Crystal Martin on uh, Facebook and on Instagram. I am doc doc underscore Martin underscore two point oh. It was the new me. So (laughs) yeah, so doc underscore Martin uh, underscore 2.0. You can follow me there. I post 
all kinds of inspirational things there. So if you follow me there, you'll absolutely know where I'm going to be, uh, where I'm speaking, how to get in touch with me. If you need to shoot me an email because you just need somebody to sit up and talk to or just somebody who understands, you can reach me at M-A-R-T-I-N-C-R-Y-S at Gmail. And that's pretty much it. There you have it. Thank you, Dr. Martin, for your nuggets of wisdom. Ladies of Confluence, please go like, follow, and share her information. In the words of Dr. Martin, being unaware of your triggers affects you. It's important to know your triggers so you can make them powerless. If not, you will become dangerous and you can become stagnated and it will derail your progress. Not knowing your triggers can affect your motivation, inspiration, and handicap you when you don't know your why or your where. That was deep. Baby, let me tell you something. That spoke to my whole 40-year-old spirit, okay? Because you wonder why you don't have the energy or the strength to even get out of bed because you've been triggered by something. You're dealing with something and you're trying to figure out the why and the where. Man, like, listen. And you didn't hear this from me. You heard it from the expert. Not dealing with your unfinished business takes up your mental space. Taking up your mental space can become a mental illness. Baby, ring the bell, sound the alarm. What an insightful conversation filled with sound advice. Please take heed. And if you're going through something and need some help, please seek counseling. You don't have to do this on your own. We are a tribe of confident women getting it together. But most of all, we want to see you win. Do me a favor. This just dropped into my spirit. Check on your strong friend. Check on your strong friend. Somebody out there needs you. Well, that's it for me this week. I'm off to call some people that I love that dropped in my spirit in the middle of this podcast. Until next time, be blessed and a blessing to others. Smooches, confluencers. <laughs>